1: Reading your favorite children's Bible stories, but actually from the Bible and finding out they're not for kids. Not at all. <laughs> so we're going through it uh, and seeing that it's, it's weirder than you thought. I mean, really the, the version you hear when you're a kid's pretty weird, but the version when you actually read the Bible is even weirder.
2: Well, and especially if you, you really put all the pieces together and you don't read just sections of mm-hmm. his story and that's what i find most people do they just want to read sections of his mm. story and and when you put it together you start start to get the snowball effect of just how messed up samson really is
1: yeah it's like one layer of disaster on top of another
2: <laughs> and it all yeah and everything goes back to samson's bad decisions and speaking of bad decisions you, you know he, we left him off with the Philistine wife that he right. married because she was right in his eyes and mm-hmm. we talked about how that phrase is going to play in through the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And so um
1: and we see Samson being kind of a microcosm of the entire nation here.
2: He really is because if you if you look at the attitude of his father with the angel and then Samson's attitude, there's a lot of connection and a lot of similarities. And Manoah, he really was supposed to represent, you know, the the average Israelite and he was kind of normal for his time and culture. Mm. So we also talked about how Samson had killed the lion, mm-hmm. which led for the basis of this riddle that he gives to the Philistine men. And of course they can't solve it. There, there's no possible way anybody who wasn't there would know what Samson was talking about. So, right. you know, he's cheating basically. And
1: yeah. well, he needs to, and again, we talked about how he's taking an old joke and then changing the punchline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so basically it's what's happening
2: precisely and and it's an old dirty joke and if you want to hear about that listen to last week's episode so, so what i
1: think is really funny is he changed the punchline to something that's really not even funny
2: it's not <laughs> i mean but i mean that's that's kind of samson uh adventures and missing the point Point. and that's kind of his whole life in a nutshell right there yeah and so unfortunately What we do as readers is we tend to miss the point because we don't see how all this plays in. But we also, uh, the the other setup you need before we get into this is, you know, the 30 men had been brought in. They're more of security guards than they're actually um, friends or companions like the ESV Mm -hmm. uh, translates it. So you really start to get this feel because when they, they approach the wife, or the bride, I, this is a good question. Is she his wife? Does she did, ever actually become yeah, his did wife? Did they
1: actually get married?
2: Yeah, because, um, you know, there's no record of the marriage being consummated. And in Judaism, if it's not consummated, it's not a marriage. Well, right. it's true even today um, under U.S. laws. But uh, they,
1: technically speaking, technically
2: speaking, just nobody bothers to investigate, <laughs> So, um, which is a good thing. I wouldn't want that job. No, no. <laughs> Things, yeah.
1: Let's move along from that. Okay,
2: so uh, the guys go to the wife on the fourth day, and they demand that she finds out the answer to the question. And they threaten to burn her and her father in their house mm-hmm. if she doesn't get the answer for them. And they even accuse her. It's like, you know, you brought us to this place to make us destitute. And so they're, they're accusing her of, of having this um, collaboration with the enemy. Right. And, you know, you're doing this with this Israelite to make us Philistines look bad. And we're in, that was verse 15, by the way, So because I forgot to mention that. And I guess we should say what chapter we're in. Uh, we're in chapter 14. I, Perfect. Yeah so, yeah. so you're all caught up now. <laughs> exactly. And so this is the first time in verse uh, 16, we, we get a feel for the woman. This the first time she starts to to speak because before this, she has no voice. We don't know if she's happy about the wedding. We don't know if she wants this to happen. We just know this is the woman that Samson has chosen and taken. And we, we talked about that too. So in verse 16, Samson replies, you know, basically, I didn't even tell my parents. Right. Why in the world would I tell you? So he's not really seeing this as a, um, this is not a partnership that he's going for.
1: No, no. I, I, think, I, I think, you know, given that, I mean, I, I would assume Samson is probably late teens, early 20s at mm-hmm. this point. Um, and so it. I, I figure he's probably not thinking about companionship and partnership. He's, he, he's probably got other things on his mind. Pretty
2: much, yeah. Well, pretty much everything in Samson's life is about feeding his desires. It's about stroking his ego. It's about... Mm-hmm. You know what does he want right now, and he has no vision for the future, and I'm, I'm actually going to prove that here in a moment after I sneeze.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, but no, it, it, and I think I think partly is, and I could be wrong about this, I do think I mean, you, you have to look at the parents probably screwed up a little, and probably told him that he was a special kid and he mm-hmm. had a special purpose and he could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And granted, you want your kids to have a good healthy view of themselves you don't want them to to right nice self-esteem good self-esteem but you don't want them to be arrogant you don't want them to have so much self-esteem that they can't see their own flaws
2: well and i think the other part of that too is mama knew that he was in in danger Mm -hmm. and so when you put those two things together an overprotective mom a, a dad who has this overinflated sense of importance mm-hmm. and passing those things on to their child—what wh- does that give you? You know, that that gives you a child who's messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think you can get around that.
1: Yeah, and, I, and that's that's kind of what I see as I as I read this. And now, granted, I work in a school, so I might be bringing my <laughs> own, um, your baggage, to my it. own baggage to it. I mean.
2: Well, you know, it happens, but, you know, it's not not
1: that we have any of those parents at our school. Everyone there is wonderful.
2: And so on verse 17, (laughs) after seven days, uh, you know, Samson can't handle it anymore. She she wears him down and she's, you know, she's crying and, um, but he tells her the answer to the riddle. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the Bible specifically says she tells her people. So these guys who just threatened her are her people, right? So we're being reminded she's not an Israelite; she doesn't fit in Samson's destiny as we would expect it to, but she is still very much the enemy, right? And so uh, you know this is all foreshadowing of Delilah. You can almost match these stories up point by point from the the asking for the secret to the uh, resistance, the initial resistance, mm-hmm. and then being worn down with the tears and if you love me. And so we're really seeing that Samson is already blind. E- even way before the Philistines gouge out his eyes, he- he's a blind man. Mm-hmm. So, and I know I'm giving away like a lot of the stuff that happens at the end, but I'm assuming everyone knows the story. Yeah.
1: I, yeah if, you've, if you're tuning in here, you probably read the whole story or <laughs> have studied most of the, well... You've probably heard how the story ends anyway, because that's what everyone wants to talk about is oh, the good-ish things he does. So, wait until we get there.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, but at the last minute, the, the men come to Samson and they, they, ask him a, they ask him a riddle in return. And they said, you know, what's stronger than a lion? What, what's sweeter than honey? And um, Samson, he, he's furious. He, he has been found out. He knows exactly what's happened. There's only one way these men would have the answer, and that's mm-hmm. if his wife has betrayed him. And he he comes back with a riddle. So he asks the riddle, the guys answer with a riddle, and then Samson comes back with the final riddle. And his riddle is, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. So I promised last week that we would talk about how this is also a dirty joke. Uh, I think I can keep it pretty clean. So
1: so the the, the sweeter than honey and stronger than a lion part, that's a riddle that they're asking him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he knows it's that it's an answer to his riddle. Right. So, yeah.
1: But is the, is there an answer to their riddle? No. In, or, okay.
2: Because uh, Samson, uh, he knows he's found out. He And at this point, he just explodes. Okay. But, and he does come back with this, this kind of riddle of his own, and it is considered to be a riddle properly, if you've not plowed with my heifer. And so, okay. um, which is hilarious, because I actually, I can remember, and, well, I, I don't know if I should na- say names, uncles of ours. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit yeah, that. I'll, we'll fix it later. So anyway, uncles of ours laughing about this. Of course, you know, they're in their early 20s when we were kids and thinking, why is that so funny? I don't understand. Well, number one, it's not polite to call your wife a heifer in any society. Just don't do it. In um, case
1: you were a little iffy on that.
2: Well, you know, we're in Oklahoma. Uh, you you call people heifers out here. That's just kind of normal. Um, but it's not polite. It's not polite. So, um, but the second thing, the plowing is a metaphor. It's a euphemism. Right. And so... He's saying some pretty derogatory things about his wife at their wedding. Right. And, you know, if you don't like him already, you know, then you're kind of catching on because right? he, he is starting to reveal who he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the, the writer wants us to like him. I mean, because we aren't very far in his story as far as overall length of his story. Right. Right. He's already refuses to obey God. He's disrespectful to his parents. He lies to his parents. He cheats with the riddle. He views his wife as property. And he calls her basically a slut at the wedding. Mm-hmm. He, he he's not a great guy. Yeah. And like I said, we're not even close to done. Yeah.
1: That sounds like a terrible way to start a marriage.
2: Well, it's a terrible way to start a life. But despite all this In the middle of this, and we're in verse 19, the spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. Now, if you remember back in the previous chapter in verse four, God has been seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. Mm -hmm. Now he has one. God has one. And Samson's mad. And God just uses this, this fury and this anger to propel Samson. He goes to the city of Ashkelon. And that's about twenty five miles away from where he is. So okay. you, you, know, a leisurely stroll here.
1: And nothing for a guy like Samson.
2: Right. But here's the other thing. They have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on. Right. I mean, they have no connection other than they're also a Philistine city. And he randomly kills thirty men. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs>
1: I, I don't like I remember hearing this stuff and I remember reading about this stuff growing up Mm -hmm. but let's just actually think about what the text just said there he goes to a completely random city kills 30 random strangers steals their clothes to give to the guys who answered the riddle right to pay he kills people to pay off his debt
2: that he lost because he was cheating cheating. yeah i mean it's yeah. If you aren't kind of appalled by him, you, you should be. and Because yeah. now add mass murderer to that list of things not to like about him. Yeah. And what kind of person is he that, that can do this? And he does. He, he gives it to the 30 men from the wedding. And then he returns to his father's house. And you know, the wedding and the bride, they, they've, they've all been forgotten. There, there's no... Uh, Mention of her, Samson's just stormed out. We don't know what's going on with her. Uh, Samson's still mad, but here's the thing. We know that when you return to the father's house, you aren't supposed to go home mad. Right. This is not the proper way to to return to dad. And you're supposed to go ready to own your mistakes. Yeah. Ready to apologize for not listening to your parents. Mm -hmm. And this is not the attitude that Samson has. At all, I mean, he's not the prodigal son, and you know, he—he'd been told you don't want to marry this girl. His parents had advised him against right. it. So, like, I don't want to say I told you so, but, but yeah, I told you so. Yeah, he—he's he, the entitled brat who thinks that he has some right to to being accepted back home. He's got no, but he has no self control, no discipline, and. The funny thing is, God says, I can work with that. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: and this this marriage that
1: should like, have... At least he's honest, right? Is that kind
2: of a... Well, he's well, not. Well. No, he's not.
1: I... Anyway, so, yeah, let's carry on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, this marriage that was supposed to unite these two nations, Philist- uh, the Philistines and the Israelites, it, it becomes the reason for a war. Mm-hmm. And... Now, in the last verse of this chapter, the, the narrator tells us that the woman that he had married was given to one of the companions at the wedding. Right. And this, is, this isn't to satisfy our curiosity. This is to set us up for what's getting ready to happen in the next chapter. And, you know, Samson, he, he wanted to fit in with the Philistines and he honored their customs. And... He actually honored their customs more than he did the customs of his own people. Mm-hmm. But when he acts out in anger, now he he's really destroying the opportunity he wanted. And he, he wanted to be a Philistine in so mm-hmm. many ways. And so he's he's destroying his future with his own hands, literally. Yeah. So we're in Judges 15 and, and it opens up with some time later. We, we don't know how long he was gone. It could have been days. It could have been weeks. We know that um, it's the time of the harvest, and that's important. So hang on to that little little tidbit. You know, he's cooled down enough that he suddenly remembers, oh, yeah, I've got a wife. And he goes to visit his wife, And but we know that she's gone. She's not there. And, you know, he, he's on the way to find her. He's got the young goat, which is, I guess— The equivalent of a box of chocolates from that day, you know, (laughs) she, here, she can forget that I stormed out of our wedding if I give her a dead animal. Uh, so I mean, Uh, yeah, I don't,
1: I mean, yeah. Storming out of a wedding. That's, that's pretty significant. Your own wedding is pretty
2: significant. Yeah. I mean, and this is the thing, his temper is going to keep getting the best of him over and over again. And in his assumptions, because even here, he's, he's making three assumptions. He's assuming he still has a wife. Mm-hmm. He's assuming that a goat's enough to, to cool her temper enough to have anything to do with him. And he, he assumes that he has the right to, to sexual favors, because that's really what he's there for. Right? Um, you know, he says specifically that he wants to go into her chamber. And so we know that this is what he's there for. This is not... Honey, let's sit down and have a nice dinner and talk. He, he goes to her dad and demands entrance. I, he, he's a jerk. I yeah. mean, yeah. he's just a jerk. So um, he, he's really got his entitlement mentality on display. At, and actually her dad's a better person in this moment. Mm -hmm. because he has some kind of moral code. He's like, it's not happening. She's married to someone else. I can't allow this to happen. And that's first two. Yeah, yeah, I was
1: was reading through this earlier, and it's just like, it's so weird. And I don't know if it's like, because I think think it's kind of odd that the dad did just go on ahead and tell the best man, like, hey, you were all set up for a wedding. (laughs) She wanted to marry somebody.
2: Yeah, there you go. Well, and marrying off a child or a daughter specifically at that point in time was a good thing. Right. Because, you know, daughters were, they helped you gain alliances with other families, but you didn't want to keep them at home and support them and raise them. Even when they were uh, great people to be around, Mm -hmm. you wanted them out of your house because they were another mouth to feed. Where sons, if they stayed home, then more workforce, more soldiers to help uh, protect the family, uh, you know. Women did a lot of work then too, but there was also a lot more risk having women because we they were targets of violence so often. And so they, they endangered the household on a certain level. So if you could get women out and not have a high concentration that this was advantageous. Yeah. I brought this daughter here and <laughs> somebody's taken her home. That Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's, and
1: it, it's so, I, I joke, but it's, it's so foreign the idea that we are
2: not from this culture, no, and I think 100% so. One hundred
1: percent, not from this culture.
2: Well, and I think when we read the Bible, we forget, and we want them to to kind of rise to the standards that we've got in place today. Yeah. Well, well,
1: first of all, you know, a wedding in our mind, if it goes over two hours, we're done. <laughs> I am. They're on day four. <laughs> right.
2: Day seven. By the end of this. But
1: yeah. yeah. It's, it's nuts. I mean, but I guess I mean. I don't know part of me wouldn't mind having like 7-day celebrations about certain things in life. I it 7 just, days
2: it, of feasting actually sounds pretty good to me. I, I'd be okay with that. As long as there's a place to take a nap in between courses, I'd well, be good. Well, I'd assume, <laughs> but I
1: just it's a uh, I don't know. As long as it wasn't like just like a potluck from our childhood that lasted <laughs> 7 days, that wouldn't be fun.
2: Yeah. So anyway, moving let's, on. Let's let's carry on. <laughs> so Dad has the, the solution of, You know, all fathers have a solution for the daughters, and the solution is take the younger one. She's better. We've heard this before, <laughs> haven't we? Yeah, we we actually have. Uh, kind of in reverse though. It yeah, was, it was
1: uh, yeah, Rachel it, and Leah. Yeah,
2: yeah, precisely. And and Dad is sounding more like a pimp here than a dad. And the thing was, this is to show you that this treatment, this kind of offering women as prizes and ways to placate your enemy or even as, um, you know, kind of selling them off to the highest bidder or whatever. This was something that was not to be done in Israel. Laban did it. He's Mm -hmm. not an Israelite. This guy's doing it, not an Israelite. Right. And so when we have Israelites acting like this, there's a problem. But the fact that, uh, we're seeing this with, with outsiders is to remind us you don't get to do this in the Israelite culture. As a matter of fact, um, women got to refuse to mm-hmm. marry a man they didn't. And we talked about that on the Isaac and Rebecca episode. So um, you know, at this point, Samson's pride's injured. Uh, we're in verse three and, you know, someone's done him wrong. And
1: so there's more death,
2: more death. And, and he never acknowledges that he has anything to do with this. You know, that he set these events in motion by one, picking a Philistine wife, and two, by storming out of the wedding and killing 30 people. Right. You know, he's the victim here. Mm-hmm. And he declares that he has a right to retaliate. And, you know, he's innocent. And he takes this from a domestic squabble, what should have been something that was taken care of at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And he's going to elevate it to a national scale. And he stated his stated target are the Philistines as the group, not his father-in-law which is interesting. Why didn't he decide to take it out on the father-in-law who gave his wife away? Right. So this is one of those things where we have to ask again, is Samson marrying this girl as part of this grand plan to be able to attack Philistines? Is this him fulfilling his God given calling on his life? Or is it him... Is still acting in his own hubris.
1: I, I think, I mean, I, I think it's him acting in his hubris and God saying, okay, I made a promise that I was going to do great things with you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you're, you know, that doesn't mean I, I can't use your own selfish intentions for something else. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we've got going on here. I mean, because I, 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 I don't know. And, of Course, I I don't I don't think it's I don't know. I'm just, God didn't I'm just ordain sin
2: for His own glory. I, I yeah, I just
1: don't think that happens. Um, but we can talk about that later, <laughs> right? Um, but I I definitely think it sounds like Samson's just flying off the handle, and God's kind of just giving him a little nudge. <laughs> it,
2: really, I mean,
1: in the direction he wants him to go.
2: So often, that's exactly what it appears to be going on. Is Samson kind of decides, hey, I'm going to do this, and then God says. Oh, you know, we can just up it a notch. You know, we can take it a little bit further. And so what we're getting ready to go into this is really one of Samson's more famous exploits. Um, this is where he, he gathers up the three hundred foxes, um, and he sets them loose in the, the wheat field. And okay so, so many people know the story. Yeah, we know the
1: story. Yeah. He he yeah, he, he grabs three hundred foxes, sets them in pairs. Ties yeah. a torch between their tails. Mm-hmm. And, and okay, so we always, <laughs> we we read through that really fast. Just it, it doesn't take a very long time to read through that. that. And we just kind of read past it, and we're like, oh, okay. That's weird. <laughs> but really think about how long this had to take. This isn't, I'm pretty sure he didn't do this all in one short fit of anger. Right, it it had to have taken days, yeah, and lots of calculating and lots of like, I don't even know how, how do you catch three hundred <laughs> foxes, three hundred foxes, um, and then and then to take them around strategically to, to various locations, tying their tails, tying together. their tails together with a torch. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, okay, so just the, the methodical. <laughs> I, I don't know where this and what, what kind of, this is like a toddler's idea.
2: <laughs> to no, things. you, you hit the, the nail on the head. So many of Samson's thoughts and attitudes and actions, they're, they're toddlers. One hundred percent. It's a three-year-old in this massive body. Mm-hmm. And so, but I've got to tell the story because I, I didn't think about it until we we're the foxes. So um, our uncles, again, we, we used to have these two tomcats in the milk barn. Oh, no. And now you remember this. Dad would go and milk the cow, and then he'd always put some of the fresh milk in a pan for the, like the 30 barn cats that we had. Yeah. And there were two rival tomcats that lived there, and they never would go around each other unless it was time to get the milk. Right. And so one of our uncles, I can't remember which one, got the bright idea to take some electrical tape and tape their two tails together while they were drinking their milk. They were fine until they got done and all the milk was gone. And then they realized that they were bound to their enemy. And these cats were like three feet off the ground in the air fighting each other. It was the craziest thing you ever saw because it was like some kind of cartoon action. So when you know, Samson trying to, to tie the tails of two foxes, this is the image I've got. The, I don't remember this is, that. That's, that's those, crazy. Probably before your time. I was probably seven or eight when it happened, but I still, the image is as clear as day in my head. But, and the thing is, this is an awful story. This is a horrible, horrible story. I mean, these foxes, you know that they had these torches burning between their tails and And
1: animals are afraid of fire
2: terrified and did they get burned did you know did they burn themselves in the grass i mean it's it's cruel Mm -hmm. it's and under jewish law you're not cruel to animals right you should never ever be cruel to animals so okay some points that i want to pick out of this um number one it may not have been foxes it the word there could be foxes or jackals Okay. And Jackals kind of makes a little bit more sense because they run in, p- in packs. Okay. So catching 300 wouldn't be as difficult as 300 foxes. But in the end, it doesn't really matter because... Quadrupeds with tails. Pretty much. I mean, it's, it's a superhuman feat because Jackals, I mean, they, they could do some damage if mm-hmm. you're trying to capture them. Uh. Ties them in pairs. Animals in pairs automatically makes us think of.
1: I don't know. What does it make you think of?
2: Noah's Ark.
1: Oh, okay. The
2: animals, you know, two'sies, two'sies. Yeah. So yeah, we've got we've got this this tie back to to Noah's Ark. Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense.
2: Yeah, and the. Again, remember, the animals for Noah's Ark, they were captured in pairs to save the animals. It was as an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. Samson is totally turning that on its head. And now these are animals that are being used as weapons of war to their own destruction. Mm-hmm. It, it's not to save the animals. So Samson is not acting like an Israelite, even at this level. He actually has more ties with Ikidu, which from the epic of Gilgamesh at this point, mm-hmm. Um because the animals help a kiddu but a kiddu actually winds up losing their loyalty when he becomes domesticated so hmm. um the the point of the story is Samson is acting like a Canaanite he's right. acting like a Philistine and we're not supposed to applaud this we're not supposed to think that this is a great story i don't care how you've heard it told we're supposed to be horrified right and i don't think it's presented that way so um when he sends the jackals out, and this is verse 5, into the grain, what you've got to remember is you used all the land. Yeah. You, you didn't have, oh, here's my olive grove, and here's my wheat field, and here's my, my vineyard. It would all be used together. So mm-hmm. this would have been, the grain would have been growing among the olive trees. It would have been growing among the, the grapes. Mm-hmm. So when he burns down the grain, he's impacting their entire Harvest,
1: yeah, yeah, and the fact that it is harvest season, the wheat stalks are going to be dry,
2: exactly, and that's why it's important that the first verse. So when you get that little clue, time of the wheat harvest, he remembers he has a wife. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Now we get all the way back to the foxes, and you understand why that phrase was put in there. Mm -hmm. And so when you're reading the Bible, you know when you see those little clues, that's where you stop and you go, "Why is this important? Mm -hmm. What what's going on here?" Now. The uh, scripture also specifies that he set fire to the sack grain, so he he is really trying to wipe them out. Yeah,
1: not not just the not just the fields, mm-hmm. but the reserves.
2: Yeah, and he he's acting alone. And now this is where another point of debate comes in: is he acting alone because? Um, he is attempting to make sure that he's the only one that the Philistines would retaliate against? Or is he acting alone because this really is a personal vendetta? Is, is he protecting Israel by having these personal reasons to attack the Philistines? Or I, I don't...
1: I mean, well, or the other side of it is like we you mentioned previously, is no one else wants to upset the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they not realize that they're they're being ruled over by the philistines is a bad thing
2: they don't seem to but at the same time and samson doesn't seem sophisticated enough to to try or is selfless enough to say okay i'm going to do something for my country i'm going to to do this for another person all of his words are very narcissistic and so i i I think we have to pay attention to what the text actually presents us and not try to make this prettier. Mm-hmm. And I think because we're going to talk about this a lot later, we have so many touch points with the story of Christ that we want Samson to be pretty and that it doesn't matter what well, we want.
1: You know, And I wasn't saying that he, I, my, my mm-hmm. thing wasn't, it wasn't that he was trying to protect anybody. My, my thought was just like. Nobody, just nobody wants to go with him. Like nobody, nobody wants. Cause, nobody cause, went to
2: his wedding. Well, it's, it's like,
1: you know, no, nobody wants to be corrected. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be told that, oh, you're in the wrong. You should not be doing this. And so here he is upsetting things and the people are going, but no, we've got a good thing going.
2: Well, the the, the tribe of Judah, when they come to him, you know, don't you know that the Philistines rule over us? You're just supposed to accept this. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't think people are are wanting to join with him, but I also think you know he's not calling them to join with them. He doesn't have this vision for the future that God has for israel. he He's so bound up in what he wants in that moment, forget this grand idea. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about what what feeds me, what serves me and And it's like could
1: have could things have been different, and should they have been different? for him to go and call on the people and remind them of what who the Lord is you know because we have throughout the book mm-hmm. we've got prophets going to judges and judges going to the people mm-hmm. and and here we we don't have that it, there's, there's not a prophetic voice nor is there precisely uh, the, nor is the judge going to the people
2: well and and this should be troubling actually in Samson's story because God has not spoken to Samson at all by this point right not one little bit and when God's silent There's usually trouble ahead, Mm. and so, and I think that's the other tip off that we get that God doesn't necessarily approve of all this stuff because God is silent. And if God did approve, then why wasn't He speaking? I mean, go back to Deborah, who really is the last judge of any kind of moral character. She is giving direct quotes Mm. from God, Mm. and so the fact that she is giving direct quotes, we know that God is speaking to her. Right, and we really don't have that. Uh, Gideon, we have a little bit at the beginning, but once he, he starts to strike out on his own and exceed what God has commanded him to do, God stops talking to him. Mm-hmm. God doesn't talk to Abimelech, and he doesn't talk to Jephthah. So the fact that he's not talking to Samson now should p- make us aware this is not going to be a happy ending. Right. And so the writer is really using all of the tools and tricks of a, of a good writer to set us up for to have the proper expectations, right? And because you know, when you when you write, you want to set some expectations up, and some of them you want to kind of subvert and do a little plot twist. But sometimes you really need to cash in and let the reader get that satisfaction. And you know, if this was just a novel, we would get that satisfaction. Mm. But it, it's more than a novel, and we need to be we need to be disturbed by the story. Yeah. So. But when Samson's done this, the, the Philistines, they, they come back and they, they say, who's done this? And we're, we're right back at Gideon. We're mm-hmm. right back, you know, when Gideon tears down that, that uh, shrine for Baal, we can see the parallels here.
3: Okay.
2: And somebody, an unidentified they, says that um, it's Samson. And but they identify Samson as the son, the son-in-law of the Timnite. This is verse six in chapter fifteen, and so they they acknowledge that Samson has a legitimate grievance. You know, he's the son-in-law of the Timnite who's been denied his bride. Is pretty much what there is being said here, mm-hmm. and they they expect Samson to to what's the words I'm looking for. They, they understand why Samson did what he did. And they decide to do something very interesting. I thought this was really bizarre. They don't retaliate against Samson. Right. They actually go to the Temnite, Samson's uh, father-in-law, father-in-law. And they...
1: And they burn them. Yeah, they yeah. burn
2: the house. So the, the fate that the, that the wife was trying to avoid still happens. Mm-hmm. And well, and
1: now my question, though, is at this point, was it was it the younger daughter or was it the one or the older daughter? Because it's not real clear in the text which one it is.
2: Most of the commentators assume that it was the oldest daughter, that it was the one who had tried to avoid being burned. And so we've got that little flip that's so common with the writer and judges.
1: Sure. And I mean, that would make sense. But I just want to throw that at, I, I couldn't unless I just wasn't paying too close attention, it, it didn't seem like the text was clear as it's, to which one it was. It's not, I which, mean... Which makes me wonder, because then I kind of wonder, is is it that uh, they took the older daughter away and gave her to Samson, or did he accept the younger daughter? Because he is called the son-in-law. Right. So at some, at some level, there is there's some kind of... Recognition.
2: Well, most most commentators agree that he rejected the second daughter uh, and just flat out did never took her. And so, let's. I was gonna look, but at, I mean,
1: uh, I'm, just, I, I'm just curious. So, so if the, if, I mean, I would, I would guess since most commentators agree that it's, it, that's probably who it's supposed to be.
2: Oh yeah, I was I was looking to um see who they said burnt um yeah burned her the. the at the, but this is verse six, the Philistine Philistines said, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. So that's the woman they're talking about. It's the wife that was given to the companion. Right. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with his companion. Okay. So, so right. yeah. No, and that's the thing. You kind of have to just stop and look because sometimes, and we're going to talk about that, um, you know, wh- who does the pronoun apply to? That's one of the problems with Hebrew. <laughs> right. And you really have to kind of pick that apart. And we see that particularly when we get to the Levite and the concubine, uh, that's one of the, the problems with that story is um, there's a question, who did what? And it comes down to how do you parse the pronouns? Okay. Well, that's, so,
1: yeah, that's going to be real interesting. Oh, yeah. So we're still a few weeks out on that one.
2: Yeah. Because, I mean, Samson, he gets himself into a lot of trouble before he gets out of it. and
1: so And he never gets out of it.
2: No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't, but one of the things to point out here, too, is we're right back at Jotham's story. Fire is met with fire. Samson set their fields on fire. They burn the the bride and her father. So we're remembering Jotham at this point, mm-hmm. so the I mean, the writer is he has created so many layers and levels throughout this book, and I'm just stunned by. You don't think of the Bible as being a piece of literature and art, Mm -hmm. but really this, this whole book, once you realize how it's put together, you see that, that it is an artistic work.
1: Yeah. And what's really funny is when we started Judges, you, you, we, something (laughs) was said about Samson and you're like, yeah, we'll probably just breeze through that real fast. Everybody knows that story.
2: (laughs) I really did. I expected (laughs) to, but you know, the deeper you dig, it's just, it's crazy. So, but I, I'm. I'm fascinated and appalled by him. And I actually do have one moment where I feel do feel some sorrow for him, but we aren't there yet. So, uh, but so
1: we'll continue to harp on him.
2: Yeah. we're Yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, so much positive stuff has been said. I feel like it's our duty to like bring some balance back to the, so if we're unbalanced, just because everybody else has been unbalanced, <laughs> so
3: yeah.
2: it's not our fault. Uh, we're taking a lesson from Samson. Uh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> but you know, Samson, instead of being like, thrilled that the Philistines have taken his side. The Philistines are going to try to dispense justice on his behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, He gets mad once again. It's like he's always looking for an excuse to get mad. Uh, I got mad because my riddle was solved. I got mad because you gave my wife away. I got mad because I didn't want your younger daughter. And now you punish the man that I was mad at. And I'm mad at you for punishing him. I mean, he... Is there anything that's going to make this man happy is kind of the question you're left with by the time you go through all of these different events.
3: Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. And so he, you know, once again, we're asking that question, is this really Samson or is this God seeking that opportunity or is it the two of it coming together? Mm -hmm. So um, verse seven is interesting Because it says, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. So this is Samson talking. Now, vengeance is part of the biblical narrative. Uh, It's established in Genesis 9, uh, verses 5 and 6. This is the institution of the death penalty for murderers after Noah's Ark. That if you destroy the image of God, then you're going to be destroyed is pretty much what it wells down to. Right. Uh, Numbers thirty-five, nineteen through twenty-seven, Deuteronomy nineteen, six through twelve. It, it's how to deal with murders, murders versus accidental deaths, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what do you do when somebody may have killed someone but they, it wasn't intentional. And there's provision for that mm-hmm. under law. And so, what do
1: you do when your axe blade flies off the handle?
2: Precisely. And it, those are some interesting things to read. So again, in the show notes, we'll have all the scripture verses. Um. So Samson, in some ways, he's seeing this as his right to avenge his bride who has been killed. So so in some ways, he's correct. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he just possibly starved hundreds of people to death. And he seems to think that's okay. So by destroying these crops, he, he's not just hurting one or two people. I mean, he, he's hurting children. He's mm-hmm. hurting women. He's hurting. And so he he never he never understands how what he's doing is what's causing the problems and he just thinks that oh well, somebody hurt me so I need to be able to hurt him back. You're mm-hmm. I mean, talking about that 3-year-old mentality. I mean, it's right there.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: So he he kind of sees himself above the law. And not just above the Torah, but even above the Philistine law, because the Philistines had dispensed justice on his behalf and they don't care. He doesn't care. Mm, It's mm. not good enough. So, but, you know, being above the law, I think we kind of expect that from a man who sees himself as supernatural. Right. And I mean, look at the news today and, you know, who's above the law and who can get by with what and who can bribe who. And it's we still deal with this mindset. In almost every circle, uh, social, political, entertainment wise. Yeah,
1: well, that's and that's why, uh, you know, I'll discuss political theories all day long uh, <laughs> with people off mic. Right. Um, as long as it's a discussion, but I won't really defend any single one as the way to go anymore, because it's any any every political, uh, every political theory, every political system can work if you do one thing remove all the corruption.
2: Right. Well, that means you got to remove all the corrupt people. Exactly. And since that's all of us. (laughs) So,
1: but that's all, I'm going to leave it at that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I think is most interesting about this verse is at the very end, he's like, after that, I will quit. Mm -hmm. It's like, if he can just be the one to make the final blow, then everybody else has to quit too. Right. This is how powerful he thinks thinks he is mm-hmm. and it's a very telling statement that he thinks that the philistines would have to acknowledge that he's done so they mm-hmm. have to be done but i mean it, this is the the childhood squabble
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know I, I just hit her because she hit me and now she needs to quit yeah where where do you draw the line and that's that's the problem, I think, with every human in- interaction where you get into that, that cycle of paybacks. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, yeah. Where... And then it just escalates and escalates and escalates. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there, there really is no stopping it. And that's I think that's what Samson's story in the end. We're going to see that this escalation that he could have put a halt to at any point in here. Mm-hmm. All he had to do was calm himself just a little bit. But yet he refuses to. And it winds up causing, you know, it takes his life. Mm-hmm. It, it literally takes his life. And I, I think that's one of the messages we're supposed to get out of this, that vengeance is not ours to get. Right. So, but um, verse 8, it says that he struck them hip and thigh. And this is a really weird line because we never find it. in; It's not used anywhere else. Right. Uh, Rashi says it means he attacks foot, foot soldiers and riders. So okay. uh, the difference in height, the foot and, and thigh, it could just refer to a great slaughter. Robert Bowling, he says it's a tangle of legs and thighs. So that he was like made this, this heap of bodies is pretty much what he's seeing. And, you know, when he does this, he, he goes down once more. So we're continuing with that, that mm. downward spiral. But he, he seeks, after he, he attacks the Philistines, there's really not a lot of detail given other than that foot and thigh, whatever that means. Okay. Um, he, he seeks out a place to hide in the cleft of the rock at Edom. And now we've got connections to Elijah. We've got connections to David. We've got connections to Moses. Mm-hmm. And... The difference is with all of these guys, uh, Elijah, David, and Moses, they know that they're in the fight of their lives. Mm-hmm. They know that they're in the middle of a battle. Samson thinks his is over. Right. He He's he's going there to rest. They were going there to hide or to get spiritual instruction, particularly with Moses. But the, Samson, he's just done. It's right. time to take a nap. I mean, that's pretty much what it amounts to. And, you know, there's been no intervention in any of this by God to sustain him. This has all been Samson's power uh, coming through his strength being on display, as opposed to uh, some kind of miraculous event. This is just Samson being Samson to accomplish everything that's happened to this point. And we kind of expect, since he is hiding in the cleft of the rock, I mean, we we have the songs that talk about mm-hmm. the cleft of the rock. We know this is supercharged spiritual place, but we we this is where we expect God to show up. Mm-hmm. We we expect God to to see something to Samson now, but there's silence.
1: Yeah, even there, there's silence. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know, we we should start to feel uncomfortable as a reader because there is so much silence and yeah. we
1: should... well, it's, 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 it's a similar kind of device that you'd see in a movie where someone goes into a church. Right. And, 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 you know, you, you see everyone, they go into the, the confession booth to talk to the priest and the priest is, you know, <laughs> d- doesn't give them the advice they need to hear in the movie or, you know, it, it's that kind of, yeah, that kind of thought, or you go, you go to the altar and then you don't,
2: Pour out your heart and, you know,
1: and and there's no response. And so that's, that's kind of what I was thinking of when you're talking about. It's a, it's a, it's a sacred place, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a good image. And so that's kind of where we are in the story, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're waiting, we're waiting as readers. We, we want God. We're hoping God's going to show up because if God doesn't show up, we know there's going to be trouble. And so that, that's where Samson is. We're still waiting for some kind of sign that God's going to intervene and set him back on the right course. He's going to, you know, redeem this man before it's too late. And, you know, of course, by saying all this, I'm I'm asking, you know, listeners to kind of say, okay, I haven't read the story yet, to to actually pretend like they don't know where it's going. Right. And that th- that's a good way to read it sometimes, especially when it is a story that we're familiar with. Mhm. Stop. Stop knowing the ending and just let yourself take the journey with the words. Yeah.
1: Well, like like Kaiser is fond of saying, read the Bible is like you would read a uh, a mm-hmm. novel. Mm-hmm. Don't read it like it's something you have to study. Read it like you're actually reading it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which, and
1: which takes some time, especially again the number of verse separations.
2: Yeah. And there are there are translations out there that don't have that, and I. I think it'd be fun to get that and see if that actually, how much that would impact my own reading. Right. So, uh, I'm not there You know, I haven't done it yet because uh, I have a ton of reading, but <laughs> so, but, um, uh, in, in verses nine and 10, the Philistines, you know, they, they realize they've got to do something about Samson. Samson is a problem for them. Uh, you know, he's killed 30 men in Ashkelon, he's destroyed the crops, and now he's had this massive confrontation with more Philistines. And they prepare to attack Lehi or Lehi. They're interested. It's interesting because the the name's used here, but it's not going to be named that till verse 17. So uh, we're a little foreshadowing that something's on the horizon with the story. And now this city, it's a city of Judah, and it had been part of Dan Um, and Samson. Well, is this the day of judah there there's Dan and Judah kind of have this really weird relationship where they kind of coexist in the same places, and we're going to talk okay. about Dan's situation because Dan's land allotment and whether or not they actually fully possess it is going to play into the last part of judges after after Samson and Samson is from the tribe of Dan, and he he's a judge here, but he <sighs> It, like I said, just a weird, weird kind of tension between the two tribes. Sure, and so we're gonna, like I said, more on that later. But Judah, they're like, wait a minute. There's Philistines. They're coming into our country. They're coming into our land. We we need to figure out what's going on here. We guys, hold up. Let's mm-hmm. talk. And so they go out to the Philistines and they they talk to them and. It's very telling that they didn't expect to be attacked by the Philistines. You know, these are the oppressors God had sent into their land mm-hmm. as punishment. So why are they not scared?
1: Well, I, I think it, it's. I think it's to the point of. It sounds like it's to the point of just just general occupation. Mm-hmm. It's not. they're it's to the point where they're they're not even fighting back. They're they're just like, okay, you can live here.
2: Yeah. I mean, what we should expect, I I think, though, is either fear or resistance to the Philistines coming in, because evidently there was still some kind of separation. There were Philistine towns and there were Israelite towns. Mm -hmm. They might exist side by side. And, you know, obviously Samson goes back and forth between all of them Mm -hmm. and nobody cares. But I think when you see that, you know, an army coming to your town of somebody that who is your oppressor, which probably means that they they took part of the crops. They they expected some kind of payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably gathered up whatever the, whatever women they wanted. It's a bug's life. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so I know it took me a minute because I don't have kids. Yeah, but yeah,
1: yeah. The grasshoppers are coming for their their tax or whatever they.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, and yeah, and so Judah just, hey, what's going on? What's happening? And the the Philistine said, you know, we. have we have come come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. So this is the first mention, number one, of the Philistines' obsession with binding Samson. Right. This is going to be a recurring theme. Okay. It's a perversion of the golden rule. In, in sure. this case, it's do unto others as they do unto you or before they can do unto you. Yeah. Uh, Samson very much operating by the same mentality. Mm. Yeah. And you know this is the the savior of Israel, mm-hmm. and this is the the theology and the moral ethic that he's giving to the people. That I will do what you do to me. So again, big problems with Samson.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's you don't want it, to. It, it's a. It's like a counter almost a counter I don't want to say antichrist cuz that has really right. bad connotations but it's like a counter anti Christ like, like
2: counter
1: <laughs> counter uh character uh he, he's just he's very it's very a, antithetical to the behavior and the teachings of Jesus
2: it is that subversive retelling um uh, that mm-hmm. turns everything on its head and Samson uh you know In this case, he would be the foundational story and Christ's story would be the subversive. Sure. And so uh, Christ's story moves us beyond that. We're going to talk about that in the upcoming episode, too, because I want to discuss the similarities between Samson and Jesus. But I want to talk about the differences, Mm -hmm. because that is it's a huge point that gets talked about a lot. Right. Well, yeah,
1: because Samson does get set up a lot of, in a lot of stories as a, as a type of, right. uh, of the deliverer to come. And, and I, it's, it's really difficult to, to really make that, uh, that, that make that claim. So. Well,
2: I think, you know, ultimately with all of our Bible heroes, we, we go back to what we keep saying. No one person is the hero, right? It's not about how great are these believers. It's the fact that they are so flawed and God loves them. He uses them anyway, and this gives us hope. Mm-hmm. And it's not about how great anyone is. It's about how great God's love for us is. And I think until we really grab hold of that, that's where we run into problems and making ourselves crazy, trying to be good enough and mm-hmm. trying, you know, we go one of two ways. We, we either try to be good enough and we wear ourselves out and get frustrated or we give up. Mm-hmm. And we can't find that balance. And so that I think that's where we as Christians, you know, we're trying to find that balance of how do we receive grace and how do we walk in grace without, without neglecting or honoring that grace in, through our actions. So, you know, you want, we want to receive the grace, but we still want to be obedient. Right. But it's not about earning. It, it's about celebrating. Yeah, yeah that so, makes
1: sense. Yeah, but sorry. Yeah.
2: okay. Sorry, when yeah, I went, on, yeah, I went on. on, I went on a rabbit trail there. So yeah, no, I, 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 I
1: didn't mean to cut you off. I, that was no, that's that that's, made sense.
2: That's where I'm at. So, and, but, we can continue with Samson a little further. And I totally, his his story is just crazy. So, talking about one of those connections with with Jesus, the tribe of Judah, since three thousand guys after. Samson this is this is verse 11 and it's not the Philistines going after after Samson right it's his own people and he he's you know they're they're, he's hiding their response to him is don't you know that they rule over us yeah that we've just accepted it It, are we aren't going to try to fight it anymore and you need to quit causing problems you've just got to accept this is the way things are." And it's a messed up situation because Judah is talking to the guy that God specifically created in order to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And so the Philistines shouldn't be saying, hey, you need to stop. They should be saying, hey, here's your army. We're ready to go to war. Mm-hmm. Lead us against these great oppressors. Instead, they're saying, mm-hmm yeah, you're causing us problems. We don't like it. And Samson, he's not standing up either. So, you know, we've got this, nobody's doing what they were supposed to do and nobody's inhabiting uh, the role that they're supposed to be inhabiting. Mm -hmm. And nobody's being responsible. They're all expecting somebody else to take over and do the right thing. And really at this point, they kind of don't care if anyone does the right thing as long as it doesn't cause them problems.
1: Right. So. Kind of human nature in a a lot of ways. We just want to, we just want to do our thing, we don't want to have to invest, we don't want to have to give I mean that's just I mean that it's like I mean and it not even in just moral things, you know, talking to uh you know we interviewed with Justin Westmoreland and we, mm-hmm. we're, we talked about that how we have to have that accountability because we we don't want to we're spend, lazy. we don't want to spend time working under resistance, yeah. you know, like for to use the workout. Terms Mm -hmm. that he—it's just time, time under tension—is what he says. That that's that's what builds muscle, and that's, you know, and that's kind of how how we operate morally too.
2: Oh, we're 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 so lazy, and and, you know I'm guilty of it too. And I'm not going to say that I'm not. I I hope that I'm not to the level that I would go out and grab the deliverer of our country and say, "Here, I give you to the enemy." And of course, you know, we, we see that there's definitely a connection there with Christ mm-hmm. and, you know, when, being in the garden and Judas and the kiss. I mean, it's the, it's the same thing. And it's not by accident that we have Judas and Judah. We're supposed to be having that that connection. connection. Yeah. Okay. So, Interesting. Oh, I I, and I, I hadn't, I hadn't put that together, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking, I need to look up what tribe was Judas from. I'm, I'm not, not certain about that one, but, um. It it would be, yeah, the, these little threads, they mm-hmm. run throughout the Bible. And that's the reason when people say, how do you know that the Bible is an inspired book and it's not just something somebody made up? You can't, nobody's as smart. Right. No, nobody can can write something over this length of time with so many different authors and everybody creating the same themes over and over again in new ways. Right. And, you know, how many times have we talked about a story on here and people how's going over there
1: (laughs) so how many times what
2: but the the stories we we tell we tell excuse me we tell stories and we show how they're connected but people don't realize they were connected until it's pointed out to you Mm -hmm. i mean once you see it it's like well duh
1: yeah yeah once you (laughs) see it yeah like judah and judas and and again you know These are the parts of the story we tend to skip in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Like this, this section—it's just—it's not interesting to,
2: yeah. Well, the kids—you've got well—you got to get into that nitty gritty, really, to kind of pick out the—you know—it's like a black walnut. If you've ever cracked one of those, you have to really dig around in there to find the parts to eat. Yeah, and that's what these parts of the Bible are really like. You—you got to crack it open. You've got to be willing to stick with it, and and once you find that really good bite. Mm -hmm. then you're hooked and you you want to keep going back for more and more. And that that's the way it is for me in these Bible stories. It's like, what else can I find? And there'll be times I'll read something and I'll go, I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. And, And because I don't find that, that, that counterpart in the other parts of the scriptures that I want to play with that specific text Right. And so I, I'm to the point now that I, if I'm not finding it, I get really disappointed and really frustrated. <laughs> so I'm always looking for it. But that's that's neither here nor there because when we get back to get back to Samson real quick, um, Samson's response in, in this, he says, "As they did to me, so I have done to them." This is his response to to the Judas the Judites coming to to grab him
0: mm-hmm.
2: they deserved it yeah I, he, he again not acknowledging if he hadn't wanted the philistine wife if he had listened to his parents if he had not set the fox's tails on fire if he had not you know all of this stuff he he just thinks that he has a right to to do this and mm-hmm. nobody has a right to come back against him right so the the Judahites, they this is verse 12 and 13, they say that they've come to bind him and hand him over to the Philistines. And this is the one point where I can say I, I see some similarity with Samson's story and Jesus' story. Samson lets them. Yeah. It, he, he makes them promise that they're not going to kill him themselves because he doesn't want to be killed by his, by, you know, his countrymen. Mm-hmm. But that's it. He, he lets them go and they, they bind him with, uh, with ropes. And again, we this is the tip off we need to have this in mind because when we move forward to, to Lila, we we know that she she's going to bind him with ropes. Mm-hmm. and of course, we're reading it, and we're going, that's not going to work right I mean right. <laughs> we get it so it, there's there's this crazy um, thing going on with Samson here that for a moment he's submissive mm. and it's in this moment of submission that he gets to the philistines and if you'll notice in verse uh, 19, I, I'm sorry, I'll make sure it's the, the right one. It's, this is 14 through 19 is why I've got notes written. Uh, helps if I'm in the right chapter. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, uh, and when they came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting, verses 14, yes. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and the ropes were on, that were on his arms became as flax that were, has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. Samson doesn't break them. Right. God actually shows up. It's in this moment of submission that God shows up and frees him. Okay. So he needs to be learning something here that when he is willing to lay down his life for his brothers, when he's willing to participate as part of the culture, even though the culture's wrong, but he, he wasn't going to kill his countrymen, he was willing to, to sacrifice himself on their behalf so the Philistines didn't overrun them. Mm-hmm. And then God shows up and he shows up miraculously. He doesn't just let Samson do what Samson does. Right. This is like the first time that God is actually moving on Samson's behalf. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like the only episode where you go, oh, yeah, he got it right. And so then he picks up the jawbone of the donkey. Mm-hmm. and it's the fresh jawbone so a, this yeah dead animal grizzly grisly weapon I mean, if it's a fresh jawbone i mean you've got the dried yeah, for, one up for there for our youtube video <laughs> uh
1: we we do have a donkey jawbone here you can see uh th- that could hurt somebody
2: yeah well and, okay now here's a matter of debate because one commentary would say oh it was fresh so it wasn't brittle and so it made a better weapon." Weapon. Others said, "Oh, it was fresh, so it wasn't hardened, so it, w- it wouldn't be a great weapon." Uh, and mm. there's, I don't know. I, I still can think I hit it, you with this and find out? No, um, I mean I still think, regardless,
1: because <laughs> I mean it's it's basically it kind of it when it when it cur- curves up here. Now on this one, the um, the ball joints have been uh, removed mm-hmm. from like the upper ball joints have been removed. Yeah, so the. It would actually be kind of like a shillelagh where it has a, like a club end. Right. On it. So,
2: yeah. It, yeah. Cause you'd probably grab down by the teeth and Yeah. just whack. We're thinking way too much about this. So, well,
1: it's <laughs> it, it helps that we have one here to examine. So, um, if you ever want to see what these look like, we'll post some pictures on, uh, on Facebook too. So anyway, but I think that's probably a good place to good stop. A good place to stop. Okay. Um, And then we'll pick up next week and figure out, uh, what he did with the donkey jawbone and, and what that means. So exactly. Anyway, everyone, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back with more donkey talk, um, (laughs) or talking donkeys. Uh, no, that's a different story. (laughs) Okay. Or it's us. (laughs) It might be, who knows? So, um, yeah, so we'll be back next week. Uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, um, Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Raven Creek SC is where you'll find us. If you want to see pictures of the donkey jawbone that I have here, um, or you can Google image, I guess, if you want to (laughs) later. Um, It's up to you. Um, If you want to uh, find our show notes and everything, you can find those at ravencreeksc.com, where you also find other shows that Mm -hmm. we have going on in the crazy Raven Creek mix. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye. and other oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Raven Creek SC. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.